This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. Welcome to our Behind the Markets podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Schwartz. Alongside Wharton Frank Professor Jeremy Siegel, we tackle the latest market trends every week on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM, Channel 132. Our guest consists of experts like the world's leading authority on long-term economic growth, Bob Gordon. We will continue to see jobs created rather than destroyed. Former chair of the Federal Reserve, Janet Yellen. I mean, I don't think either of us ever expected that we would live through a financial crisis. Or even the head of the Digital Indian Foundation, Arvind Gupta. The reason that people are talking about India is massive digitization and financial inclusion that we have done over the last couple of years. Enjoy this week's show. Welcome to Behind the Markets here on Business Radio, powered by the Warren School. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, Global Head of Research at Wisdom Tree. Note, I'm registered representative of Foresight Fund Services. Our discussion is not tied to the offers of investment products nor an endorsement recommendation of any company, security, or investment products. The views of our guests are their own and not those of Wisdom Tree's affiliates. We've got a special show for you all today. We're talking with Adam Fisher, of managing partner at Bessemer Venture Partners. He's been managing their Israeli office since 2007. He's invested in more than 30 Israeli startups, 14 of which had M&A and IPO exits. Forbes has put him on their Midas list for Europe, investing in cutting-edge consumer uh, and, and tech hardware. We also have Nir Zar, who's the president and chief oper- operating officer of Wix, has been with the company since 2007 also, helped scale their business from a small startup to an international company serving tens of millions of users. Nir and Adam, welcome to Behind the Markets. Thank you. Uh, Adam, let's start with you. Um, We've done a few discussions on the cloud space. Uh, Wisdom Tree's worked with Bessemer, who worked with NASDAQ to create an index of the leading public cloud companies uh, that we license. We're trying to bring more education, what's happening in the space and the thesis for the cloud. Maybe talk a little bit about what you're focused on at Bessemer, all the the 30 companies you've invested in, a little bit about what you're you're focused on there. All right, well, thank you for having me. Uh, Well, I'm I'm pretty... (laughs) It's hard to say that I'm focused. I'm focused on Israel. Um, My areas span everything from semiconductors to consumer internet. Um, That includes a lot of SaaS in between. SaaS for infrastructure and the enterprise, SaaS for SMB, and even consumer SaaS, kind of consumer subscription companies. Um, You know, Wix was one of my original uh, SaaS investments. It was very early on. It was before they actually had uh, launched their, uh, their premium product. Uh, and that was my first exposure to it. I don't think we use the term, though, SaaS to describe Wix, certainly not in those early years. It's, uh, that's often the case in, in startups and venture capital. The names and nomenclature come long after um, the practices have been established. So it's only in retrospect that I think I refer to Wix as a SaaS investment. Of course, today, Wix is now one of the top 20 companies in the emerging uh, SaaS index or the emerging cloud index, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so, so my experience, I mean, other companies that are perhaps familiar to the audience, another public company called Fiverr, uh, which also, uh, its, its customer base is also small businesses. Uh, and then a number of uh, private companies that were acquired, most recently Havana, which was an AI chip company that was acquired by Intel for $2 billion, uh, and a number of other companies uh, in various sectors. And, and so when, when you think about the Israeli market, what sets Israel apart? Uh, what, why is, uh, why, why, what should people know about the Israeli startup scene that you're, you're looking to take advantage of? 
Well, I think Israel's unique not only for its technology depth and roots, but it, the fact that so there's so many different technology sectors within Israel. Uh, Israel is often known for kind of being a land of, of cyber and security technology, but the truth is is that Israel is a source of pretty much every type of technology vertical you can imagine. Like I said, semiconductors, but it also expands to enterprise software and digital print and ad tech um, and uh, you, know, you name it. There's pretty much not a single sector that doesn't have uh, dozens of Israeli companies um, uh, in there. The other thing is that Israel, because Israel doesn't really have much of a local market, every single company that comes out of Israel focuses on the global market primarily the United States, but it's always thinking international. So from the get-go, they have a much more international approach to building the business, which over time really provides an advantage. So Nir, let's let's bring you into the conversation here. So Wix now a $15 billion company from what I'm, what I'm seeing, um, up 10 times in the last five years, three times since the market bottomed in March. Describe for people who, who are just learning about Wix for the first time, describe what you do, your product uh, that you're trying to, the challenges to solving for people. Absolutely. And uh, thank you also for, for having me today. Um, so, so fundamentally, Wix is a platform, an online platform that allows anyone to build their own professional website. Um, uh, at the core, it's a do-it-yourself business. So, so, so you can you can start on your own. You just you know give us an email, email and a password to register, and you, you can start building a website. And uh, from very very early on in the you know in the, in our product the product evolution, we put a lot of emphasis. Not only on making the the suite of the of the of the tools in the platform easy to use, but also to make sure that uh, uh, to really help you out, make sure that the, the the outcome of what you create looks very beautiful and very professional. Recognizing that a small business, much like a big business, wants to have uh, an impressive presence online, and the level of professionalism or the level of seriousness that it will be con- that people will consider that business with is really based on, on the fact that it looks beautiful and professional, whether a designer helped you or you did it uh, uh, on your own. Um, so I think that's that's kind of the core of it. Uh, uh, you know, obviously over time as the company evolved and, and our business grew, uh, um, uh, the need of, of small businesses online also in, or, or evolved. And if having a website in 2007, 2008 was just having you know a beautiful web page uh, with some interactions on it and, and maybe an embed uh, code to, to YouTube, then today websites are, are very interactive, they are transactional, you want to be able to sell on them, you want to be able to book uh, appointments on them, you want to be able to communicate with your co- own customers, you want to have some database and a backbone of those customers and the transactions so you can you can evolve your business and actually manage your business. In many cases, uh, those needs are are very you know they can be generic, but they can also be specific for for a specific kind of, of business verticals. Whether you're a restaurant, you'll have different needs than than if you're a hotel owner, or uh, if you're a musician, uh, or you're trying to be or you're selling a you're an e-commerce store. And and over time, we evolved a lot of our the depth of our product to incorporate all of those business functionalities. So today you don't only only get a website on Wix, you actually uh, uh, grow and manage a business on Wix. Would you say when when you think about the consumer focused market, 
and trying to provide these solutions. What would you say, who would, are people using in sort of competitor space? Um, and, and how would you say Wix tries to differentiate versus some of the top other companies people are using to create their own websites? Sure, so, so I think that's a little bit of a, there's some complexity and layers to this question. Uh, I think that on the, um, on the, the, the website creation uh, uh, level, there is a few other uh, competitors out there. Some uh, relatively uh, small or, or, or earlier uh, in their in their uh, journey, like like Webflow, Webflow, sorry. Uh, uh, some like uh, like Squarespace that have been there for a while. They're smaller than us, but are very successful, especially in the United States. Um, uh, and then I think that if you also look at the business functionality that we had, there's there's vertical solutions. You know, the the biggest and the most successful. Also a great Bessemer uh, investment, by the way, will be Shopify. Um, and then I would say that in other uh, in other verticals, you will have, you know, on the bookings and, and spas, you have uh, companies such as, as MindBuddy. There is a few around uh, the restaurant uh, verticals, uh, etc. I think uh, one of the key advantages that we have is that we both go, you know, we started by going wide. So uh, uh, really approaching all of those small businesses and all of those verticals. When you think about it, uh, pre-corona, we had uh, about 2 million registered users, new registered users every month. Post-corona, that number jumped to, to over 3 million a month. Uh, so we literally have any kind of, uh, of a business vertical that you can imagine. And that actually allowed us to have a lot of, of strength to start dealing with, uh, with vertical solutions. Uh, and I think that in that aspect, you're pretty different from everyone else that's out there. Adam, how, how, how have you so been, a, been an investor from the early days to where they've come today? How, and how have you looked at that opportunity set that they're addressing? H how's the thesis played out for you? Right. Just just to be clear, I actually uh, am no longer involved in Wix. I, I left the board in 2016. So uh, uh, a this moment because the stock just seemed to rocket uh, after that. Uh, but uh, so going back to the question, look, Wix, Wix started out about how to make uh, it easy for anybody to build something on the web. If you, if you really go back to 2006 and the company was founded, it was incredibly difficult for you and I, who don't, we don't know programming, we don't know HTML, we don't know Flash at the time, to build something beautiful, but build really anything on the web. And a web presence really wasn't something that was critical for the business. It was like a, it was like a, a, a business card. It was nice to have. It was nice to be able to say you had one to point people there, but it wasn't much more than that. Uh, and I'll be honest, we and other investors often question, wait a minute, we know there are millions of websites, that's clear, but how much business is it going to be there um, uh, at the end of the day? Not for Wix, but how, how much business is going to be conducted on the web? And we knew it was growing, but, but still, we, uh, we had no idea that it would reach uh, this level, that essentially so much business would move online, regardless of the vertical. And I think that's kind of the secret to Wix, is on the one hand, they start with the very basic thing of building a beautiful website, which might seem trivial, but it's not. It is extremely important uh, to many of the, the, the people who, who build their companies, how the website looks. Only after that, they begin to think about some of the core functionality for how they run their business. And because Wix has not ever been focused on a single vertical, because it's been horizontal, it's, a, it's been able to take every kind of use case, every type of business, whether it's a restaurant or a hotel and, or, or photographers or, or, or musicians, and build out all of the core functionality that that type of a business, that kind of a user would use. 
So that in actuality, uh, they, they do have vertical solutions. They're, they're, it's not built that way, but they do apply to every single vertical and are best in class, but they have such a wide uh, horizontal approach that they get users, uh, customers from everywhere. Then you'll add in the international aspect, the fact that Wix supports so many languages and it supports so many different ways of, of for how business is conducted in countries around the globe. Uh, and you understand the, the scope, uh, but also the origins for how, for how Wix started uh, as kind of a website for international users and just grew and grew and grew. Uh, so for me, I have to say, it's just, I, I continue to get great enjoyment out of seeing Wix grow um, and expand into new areas, none of which is really a surprise. I mean, you know, even when they come out with new products, I remember back many, many years back when the company talked about it. Uh, and, and that's one thing that really always struck me about Wix is how they think so far ahead. And they're always working on a number of long-term projects, which, uh, you know, won't see the light of day for a while until it's perfected, until it's properly tested. But when it comes out, it's real and it's going to have an impact. So Nero, maybe sort of touch on that. So he's saying you guys think so long ahead. Where would you say the business is today and that long-term thinking for the future? What are these things you're trying to do now to 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 keep this growth pace uh, that that's really been been uh, been high? So I think uh, you know you know as Adam said, uh, we were always fortunate uh, to have much more opportunities than uh, than resources. Which is something which is great for you if you if you're a startup and you're a company that is growing. Uh, I, I I even think I still think that that's the case today. Um, you know, if you'll give me another uh, thousand developers, I have I have uh, I have a job for each and every one of them. Uh, it, it, it's very clear, and I think it has become even 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 more even clearer now in the past couple of months uh, since the corona the, the corona crisis started. That this this movement, this shift to online, is something that is is not only happening; it's actually accelerating. Uh, the need has accelerated it, obviously. And I, I believe, you know, I have a strong, but nobody really knows for sure. But my strong belief is that this 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 acceleration we're seeing now is an acceleration of a trend that would have happened anyway. Just you know, it would have happened over a course of a few three to five years, and instead of that, it happened over two months. Uh, but my belief is that that even if you know things go back to normal and there's a, there's a vaccine and 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 we can all go back to our normal lives, uh, uh, the the expansion of the the movement to the the internet and to build, to doing business online is not going to go away. It might decline a little bit, but it's not going to go to pre-corona uh, uh, levels. So I think people are still discovering how much more effective their business can be online. And I think the internet is doing something amazing for small businesses because it gives them much, I wouldn't say a, a completely equal opportunity to the big businesses, but something which is much, which is much closer than what they're, they're able to do offline. And I think that's the key thing that we're trying to do. We're trying to take uh, uh, these opportunities that technology offers to big businesses and find a simplified way to offer it to, to the smaller businesses that don't have the time or the budget for huge integrations and, and also need a much more simplified and, and uh, um, user interface in order to be able to, to, uh, to still run their business effectively. So I think that in that aspect, we still have a huge way to go in terms of the, the do-it-yourself and, and the small businesses that we're catering to uh, today. Uh, 
with that being said, we've we've started seeing another huge opportunity. It's actually something that we always uh, we, we always meant to go after. Um, but I think that the last couple of years we we expanded our we expanded our our platform to the places where we can do it, uh, and which is which is going after also the professional crowd. When you look at the internet today, still most or a vast number of people would prefer to hire a professional and have somebody do it for them, just for the lack of time and the lack of knowledge. Uh, and we wanna we don't wanna compete with those people. We wanna be their partners. We wanna be the platform that is the most effective for the do-it-yourself, but is also the most effective for the designers, for the for the agencies, for the developers, for anyone who's trying to develop something online in a very uh, effective and fast manner. Whether it's removing, you know, the 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 uh, the need to uh, worry about web servers and security and and adjustment and and matching different uh, versions of browsers, uh, and 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 versioning of servers uh, for for the developers, and whether it's simplifying the the design process or adding coding no uh, uh, um, no code solutions for designers. And we've we've done exactly that. We've you know we've uh, we've uh, incorporated uh, a coding environment which we call Corvid, which might be an unfortunate name in our, nowadays because it sounds very much like COVID. But uh, <laughs> we integ we we introduced it about a year ago, and uh, and it's basically a coding environment within our editor. Uh, we're just launching now uh, a newly announced product which is called Editor X. Which is a, actually more, much more sophisticated product for designers and professionals. Um, you know, looks much more like a, like a, uh, an editing environment, uh, or more like an, a kind of an, an Adobe product uh, a level of a product. Uh, and by the way, I think it goes towards some of the the same crowds that use Adobe now, but supplies what I think is missing there, which is which is great layer to to work online and to build to build websites and and, and the online layer. So I think that that opportunity is a you know it's the natural evolution of our business, and it's uh, it's another huge market that is is out there for the taking, and of you know hopefully we'll be the one who take it. Yeah, I, I saw the in your investor deck the Corvid, and it was it was interesting. Uh, I mean, how do you think about how did you guys think about that name, and is that something you eventually think is with all this that you you have to change? I mean, maybe sort of talk a little bit more about. What you know, the, the your investor deck said it's 10x the addressable market. It's maybe talk a little bit about how that why why it goes that much bigger. Well, the name you know the name was much was there uh, you know much earlier than uh, than the uh, than the virus. Yeah. Um, uh, and the similarity, you know, maybe at some point we need to rethink it. We'll Ooh. see. Uh, but we came up with it because we like the sound of it because it's. Uh, it's a combination of something which is a little bit inspirational. It's you know, it's uh, COVID is is one of uh, it's the, uh, the the crow or the raven family, but it's the most intelligent bird uh, on earth. Uh, so it also flies flies high, but is also very very smart. Um, um, and we really like the sound of it. Um, but we'll have to you know over time we'll have to think about whether it really merits a change in branding. In terms of the addressable market, which obviously I think is the more interesting and more important thing here, so it's not only about COVID or, or the coding environment. It's the combination of allowing, enabling the coding and allowing people to to add custom code and build much more sophisticated and complex websites. Not only the generic uh, uh, things that our platform allow, uh, allows, 
it actually uh, even gives even more benefits because you still do it under the Wix environment. So you're in a closed garden, you, you know, we deal with security, we do the security patches and we do the servers and the CDN and the, and the redundancy and the backups and everything that you will have to worry about yourself, uh, we actually take care for you. So if you're a web developer, probably 80% of your time doesn't go into developing, but actually to all the extra, uh, the extra effort around uh, uh, doing delivery on the internet, which we take care of. So I think that's a great benefit uh, uh, towards the developers, but obviously we need something much deeper, which is also where where Editor X comes in. But uh, there's a whole suite of other functionality that comes with it, which, which you know the ability to work together as a team and, and, and assign different roles to different team members. Team members actually building something that a full blown suite that uh, that an, that an agency agency sorry small or big can take advantage of. Uh, and if you look at the website market today, uh, at the end of the day, probably it's really hard to quantify exactly what is a website and what's not, but somewhere between 10 to 20% of the websites are still being built by some kind of a professional, someone who does it for someone else. So there's a lot of room and a lot of size within the, uh, the, the 10% of the DIY side, which I think we are clearly in the winning in, in, in the winning position, but uh, obviously there is a much bigger opportunity on if we actually uh, actually manage to also tap into the professionals. And at the end of the day, we want to do both. I think we're you know we're big enough to be able to do both. Mir, so these are these are designers and developers, which are quite yeah. different from the from the businesses or from the business owners you, you've reached in the past. How I mean, is it a different go-to-market? How do you reach? How do you reach them? Um, it, just, it just seems to me, uh, on the one hand, a challenge. But on the other hand, as you said, what, what, once you get their attention, it opens yeah. just a massive, massive market opportunity for you guys. So I think that the the fortunate part for us is that at, at least at this point, I don't we don't feel that it's a different go-to-market. Uh, first of all, they've been using us for ages, so. An agency today will make a decision whether they want to use uh, Wix or, or WordPress or, or do custom code. And our job is, is to build the right suite of tools and, and functionality to win them over to for them to make the decision that Wix is the right choice. But I think that if you go and interview 10 agencies today in the, in the States and probably also anywhere else in, the, in Europe, uh, all of them will be aware of Wix and will know about Wix. Maybe not all of them will be convinced that we are the right solution for them and we need to do the right job in order to win them over. Uh, so when we look within our funnel of these 3 million plus new users every month and all of the 180 million uh, that already exist on our, on our platform, they are there. Uh, they, are then, they are there in very, very high numbers. Uh, it's hard for me to say, but we're one of, probably one of the top platforms on, on the globe in terms of, of access to those, to those kind of agencies. Um, I, I do think, and this is something that we started to do about, uh, about a year ago, that they need different uh, account management and handholdings, at least the bigger ones, uh, in terms of how to work with them, deal with them, understand their issues, uh, aggregate those uh, that feedback and those those uh, suggestions for additional functionality in order to remove blockers and and add you know be able to add and onboard more and more agencies 
And that's something that we've, uh, we've, we've built a team uh, in New York. We've been doing it for the past year or so. Uh, and, you know, we're getting, getting a lot of, uh, of, of backwind. That's great. So I wanted to, you said something there that reminded me of you know, the unique features of, of Wix as a business. You said that you, know, you have customers, some of them agencies, some of them smaller agencies, that essentially use Wix for, to build many, many websites. And you know, one thing that kind of was said early on by Jeremy, but was glossed over, is the fact that Wix is a is a freemium offering, offering, which is not probably something that everybody in the audience understands entirely. I I would I would want you, if you can, just to mention what what that is, and then to relate it to to me, what is the most fascinating part about Wix's business model, and that is your use of cohorts. And when you look at customer cohorts and how uh, they exhibit. Uh, such uh, uh, incredible uh, performance over time, even though you're, you're selling into what would be very small businesses. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it's, it, when you think about it, you know, Wix is, at the end of the day, it's a platform uh, for something which is a utility, uh, whether it's that you're going you're gonna to use Wix if you need a website. Uh, and if you don't need a website, you'll, not, you'll end up not using the platform. Now it sounds very trivial when I say that, but it's you know it differentiates us from from a, from I don't know from a social network. You'll go to a social network and you'll join it because everyone else is on it already and your friends are there, so you're being drawn in. If your friends tell you about Wix, you might go and try out Wix, but if you don't need to build a website, you're not gonna you're not gonna you know you're not gonna finish it. Even if you finish a website and you're trying you're just starting a new business now. Until your business starts to pick up, you're probably not going to be willing to pay and transition to a, to a premium subscriber. So generally, our belief is that we want to maintain an open relationship with our, with our users forever. So you can come in, you can build a website, you can build multiple websites. We never, we're never going to li limit you on that. We will have the website be under the Wix brand name. So it has a, a Wix domain name, your, your name.wix.com, and it's going to have a small banner on the website that that states that is was used you know it was built using wix uh and that actually is both an advertising for us and it and it strengthens our brand and it, it actually shows uh we get a lot of, of free uh organic traffic coming back to us from you know people who are building those free websites and showing it to their friends and their colleagues and to their customers if you want to become more professional then you can kind of sort of claim your website by Removing the Wix brand, connecting your own your own domain name, and, and removing that 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 advertisement from your website, and that's where we'll say, okay, if that's the case, we wanna we wanna we're gonna charge you uh, we're gonna charge you a premium subscription, which is roughly fifteen dollars a month. Since you're not paying for hosting, that's almost a no-brainer for a small business, and that's that's the core of it. Okay, obviously today with additional functionality around e-commerce or more sophisticated. Uh, CRM-like capabilities, there's additional payments on top, but that's, but that's the core of the offering. And in fact, even if after a while you decide that you don't want to be a premium subscriber anymore, you cancel your subscription, we do not delete your website. You just go back to this kind of uh, under the Wix domain name status that you had before. And I think that generates a very strong relationship between us and, and, our, and, our, and our customers over time. Now, you mentioned cohorts. When we look at our business model, that's how we think about it. So we essentially have a very uh, sophisticated and effective marketing machine. Um, we, do, we do online acquisition of traffic from various sources of traffic, from 
from Google, from Facebook, from YouTube, from a bunch of others. We, we buy the traffic in, and the way we think about it is that we have, uh, you know, we have a, uh, at the end of a period, at the end of a week or a month or a quarter, let's go, let's take a quarter, for example. At the end of a quarter, I have spent a certain amount of money on, on marketing. Let's call it $10 million. And in those $10 million of marketing spend, I managed to bring in, I don't know, 2 million uh, users. Uh, these are imaginary in our numbers, not real numbers. So I now know at, by the end of the quarter how much money I spent uh, and how, much how many users I got in. Now I will measure over time how many, many of those convert to premium subscribers and also remain as subscribers over time. And this is how, this is how we think about cohorts. So for us, what we want to determine is how quickly will we get the marketing dollar back so uh, every dollar that was spent in this, in, in this first quarter of, I don't know, 2020, when will I get them, well, when will I get the full dollar back? Usually, and what the target that we aim in how we spend the money is between is, is seven to nine months, which is how we adverse we are to risk, how fast we want to grow versus how we are, uh, we don't want to raise too much money for too long of a period of time. If some, something changes in the world, we may lose that money. Um, but it allows us then to take any dollar that we get back, like redeploy it back into the machine and, 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 and spend more money and, and grow even faster. And obviously, as we improve the product all the time, then we can you know, hope to get the money back faster because the conversion to premium improves because the product is better, because we remove the blocker, because we open another uh, the demographics or another geography. Uh, or, or because we added another functionality was that was missing for a certain vertical, and then obviously we'll get uh, we'll get more customers in, maybe at a higher ARPU, maybe at a better conversion, maybe hopefully by in both. Adam, oh, I was going to ask, how how unique is that for you when you see they're looking at that and the spending for growth, like the, their model? When you think about you're you're seeing a lot of other companies put that in context for people of, 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 of how, what, what they're doing. Well, I think it's different from company to company. I think most companies don't have a real freemium. Um, it's hard to build or balance a good freemium offering uh, because you need to be able to inject uh, uh, enough value into the free product so people will actually want to use it um, and actually do something with it. And also enough value on the other side, on the premium side, so you'll give people motivation to to switch over. Um, I think you know we've been playing with what is what should be free, what should be premium forever now, and we have you know we we always measure and try to assess what's uh, what, what should be where. Um, but I think what you look at other most of the competitors, most of the other companies, they will take your credit card at the get go, and they will tell you you know you get. 15 million days money back or 30 days uh, trial or whatever, but but they will own your credit card, you know, at the beginning. And we think that in order to own your credit card, we need to gain your trust. And you gain your trust by giving you, you know, a really good product and a really good platform and a really good service. Um, and only then, you know, if you're serious enough and want to switch over, then we're here... Uh, uh, we're here to 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 be with you in your journey to and take it to the next level. By the way, the strength of this court uh, uh, model is when you know over you know a, a long period of time, like like we have been doing, we've been doing it. 
then we have a lot of statistical validity to understand how to spend money, how we're going to grow. Most of, their, uh, you know, most of our fu future revenues are already baked in the existing courts, not the new ones. So even if today I will shut down Wix and not let any other new uh, uh, registered user come in, so no more new users, no more marketing spend, only making money off the courts that are already within the system, that money will that, that that amount of money that will be generated is north of seven billion dollars and this is so this is already within the system this is before we spend more money and grow more or get more organic growth uh and this is i think is the the big strength of having the freemium model and such big cohorts that that contribute to our business i mean i'll just concur that the freemium model is is unique uh, certainly at, at this level, it, it, you know, for a company at this scale, it's a massive moat. Um, it's very, you almost can't compete except by offering for free and only after you have a massive user base and a fantastic product that truly differentiates your free from your premium offering can you start collecting money. So that's a huge moat for a business like Wix. The other thing is that companies that start out kind of putting, pushing the credit card up in front, even though they have a free offering, they kind of hide it, they make it difficult to find. Those models are, are nice, but they're, they're, they're collecting money up front because they actually know perhaps that churn will be high otherwise. So Wix definitely stands out uh, in that sense. It almost reminds me of um, another type of SaaS company in the cloud index uh, that are developer focused. They focus exclusively on developers like Twilio or Atlassian, where they also have, they don't necessarily call it a freemium offering, but it's based on usage and it is free. For a certain level of usage, it's free. And that's how you get thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of developers. And over time, it's the same type of relationship. They develop trust, they, they get to learn all the products. And when they do have a project or an initiative that requires a, a different level of scale or functionality, it's very natural that they begin to pay and they feel good about it. We at Bessemer have a number of developer SaaS companies like Auth0 and Cloudinary here in Israel, and they use a very similar method of, of this freemium. Uh, Wix has just perfected it. And the one thing I just wanted to mention, going back to the cohorts, and I don't know if you said this near, but I, I feel like the, um, the most amazing thing is that despite these small businesses, which obviously often go out of business and they struggle, the, the, when you look at it from a cohort basis, there's pretty much, what, what does churn look like when you look at it from a cohort level? So the churn is actually negative churn, which is a positive or, you know, it's always the, the double negative, which is, a, which is a positive. But at the end of the day, when you look at the cohorts, which is the right thing to do, what happens to them over time, they don't decline. They, they, they you know, they go up a little bit after a year, they will decline a, for a, a little bit in the first renewal, but then they, they flatten out for years like we have courts that are flatlined for eight years now and the reason for that is that uh there is a rotation of websites or subscriptions because as you said some small businesses will go out of business but because of the freemium model we don't lose them we, we the, the, the relationship with the with the with the user with the owner remains and they come back to us with something new after after a while I think one of the key things that uh, people that are, are shareholders asked us after, after the, um, uh, in, back in April when, when we were talking about the effects of, of the coronavirus, they said, well, um, how come you don't see a huge amount of churn and so many businesses are dying out? And we said, well, luckily, the businesses are dying out, but the owners are alive.
and and I think that's the key. The 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 the, the basic unit here is not the business; it's the owner. And you know, a small business owner that just lost their business, you know, sometimes they will go and try to find a job somewhere. But these usually these are people that their characters, their profile is entrepreneurs. They you know something one thing falls apart, they'll try something else. Uh, and 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 we've seen this so many times where people will cancel their subscription and we already see them active on the editor building something new. So for me, if you know if I if I still have their business six months later, then that's fine. And I don't need to compensate that with additional marketing money to overcome you know a loss a loss of income and a loss of revenue. So if you look at the revenues over time, I don't lose revenue. It's, it's the same amount of revenue coming uh, from those courts over a very long period of time. That's so unusual that I think it took the, the overall market, but also investors in general, even on the venture side, years to appreciate and, or, or to at least see the numbers for themselves that indeed those, those cohorts don't go down. I mean, the churn it, it ends up being net negative, which is really astonishing when you, when, you, when, you, when, you, when you think about the underlying customers there, but it's true, you've got the law of large numbers here, you're talking about millions of, of uh, you know, free users in a, in a given monthly cohort, um, and so it's, and, and the consistency is what allows, I think, Wix to, um, to feel so confident about its marketing spend. So that, that is unusual as far as we see um, among SaaS companies. Uh, let me, um Ask Nir, when you said 7 billion of people on your existing base without any new, talk about that. I mean, I, I think when I was reading your financials, it was, is, am I right to say that the current revenue is about 1 billion? So this is a, a really mass step function higher. Is that, is that about right or am I getting that wrong? So, no, so it's, it, I said $7 billion, not, not people. We, you know, we're yeah. still not 7 billion people. I wish we'll get to that. Uh, uh, no, so uh, if you look at it, what, what basically, in a theoretical or in a in a in a in a in this exercise that we might do in our head, if I do look down Wix and there is no new cohorts, nobody else, new people coming in, and I only look at the cohorts of 2010 to 20. Uh, over the next eight years, they will generate 7.2 billion dollars. And and your current revenue today is what? Uh, we are, uh, we kind of removed the, uh, the, our annual guidance for, for the year. Um, um, so the, the latest we had before we removed it, if I remember correctly, forgive me if I'm wrong here, but it was, uh, a little bit over a billion dollars of, uh, of, uh, collections. So collections are a little bit higher than revenues because of the, of the annual subscriptions. Yep. Uh, revenues lag behind the collections by about ten percent or so. That's that still shows the massive scale of, of seven times what, yep. what you have currently. So I mean that's that's sort of interesting on on the future. Is there anything? I mean, so you're spending so much on the on these marketing platforms between Google, Facebook, and the others. Is there any trends you're noticing on where you're finding the most effective ad dollars or anything about? Um, you know, there's a lot of. Uh, discussion today about the different platforms and marketing budgets, but any anything that, that you guys would feel comfortable talking about, about where you're finding success? So not so much, not feel comfortable because obviously I don't want to give any hints to my competitors. Uh, forgive me about that. But I would say that generally I think the you know our marketing machine is so sophisticated at this point 
that we will we always test everything and all all uh, you know all platforms um, uh, at any given point of time um, and if something changes like you know the ones where we can we can we can scale and spend a lot we'll spend a lot we we run campaigns in all countries in all in all languages uh, really thousands of campaigns at uh, any certain uh, 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 given point of time um, and and you know if, it, if there's a new platform emerges or an existing platforms become more lucrative for us we'll divert money to it because we have what we call the the TROI metric, the time to return on marketing investment, those seven to nine months, and that's how we think about marketing. We measure how fast the dollar comes back in, and we'll always auto optimize towards it. So if I knife, I now find a new platform and new way to spend a lot of money, knowing that it's going to come back within seven to nine months, I'm going to go after it, no matter you know, no matter what. Adam, how you, when, when he's talked about start starting as a consumer business and going towards enterprise a little bit, have you seen, how much success have you seen other companies who may have that focus going from the direct consumer to maybe the developer ecosystem? Is there examples you think uh, to learn from or, or any other examples in that, in that world? Well, I'm a developer, I'm not, I'm not sure, but, but, but uh, from consumer, to, there's a fine line between consumers and and a very very small business. I mean, uh, you know, in the, uh, somebody who sets up their own web business, they're they're also a consumer. They're they're not they're not too different. And that person can easily, if they're successful, can all of a sudden be a business of five people two years later, and and, and maybe fifty people ten years later. So it's a fine line, and it's very natural um, that you kind of switch between them. Another company that both Neil and I are involved in, Fiverr, exhibits very, something very similar. They they started out. Uh, uh, kind of a mix between consumer and business needs. You couldn't, you could, you could do it for both. And now it's decidedly very much in the in the, in the business focus. Um, but in terms of companies that have been gone from kind of consumer to SMB to to developers, I, I, I think Wix stands out. I don't know. Well, I think you know we're still. I don't think we're in, still in a position to say that we're going after enterprise. Uh, I do think that the going to more professional, uh, the professional crowd is 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 different. I would agree with with Adam that you know we're a consumer play in terms of the the small business that we deal with are much more cons behaviorally are much more of a consumer than an enterprise or a big business. Um, and I think that most of the agencies and, and many of the professionals that we were thinking about are, are probably similar. Uh, but when you think about it, I, I don't think it's super different uh, to some to some extent. If you think about the evolution of some of the you know the Adobe Cloud, uh, um, or, or even back in the day, what the, the move Microsoft did in, in, in to, to some extent towards the more developer and professional professional crowd. Yeah, that's that's, that's very true. Uh, Neil, I want to ask you about um, uh, e-commerce, which which wasn't really touched on because Wix has always had an e-commerce solution. I know you guys have invested it more and more and more over time. Um, what where does that stand now? Because e-commerce is obviously a big part of the wave in the current environment. Uh, yeah. I know you, I know that the product's vastly superior to what what it was, uh, you know, several years ago. Um, you know how how many e-commerce stores do you have, and, and how does your solution compare with like a Shopify? So we actually have a, we have a big number. Uh, we have I think over half a half a million 
uh, uh, stores now, which is you know which is a which is a very hefty number. Um, the the product itself, I would agree, would is really uh, we invested a lot into it, and it's it's dramatically better than it was uh, two 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 or three years ago. Um, I think you know people ask us a lot about Shopify. I think that at uh, you know at the at the, at the edges of the or on and we Shopify has a lot of proficiency with uh, with you know with really big shops where we still don't play. Uh, we're really great for the really tiny shops, and there I think our product is actually easier and simpler to use than than the Shopify solution will be for a very small uh, very small shop. And then there's a, there's a, there's the middle ground. Uh, which is still a very big playing field of, of the mid-side shops. And there, I would say that up until a year ago, probably this was almost entirely a Shopify domain. And that's a place where I think that our new product and, and the level that it, it has reached is definitely a place where um, we're, we're just, you know, we're getting, we're penetrating more and more. Um, and eventually, uh, we will be competing with uh, Shopify there. Um, by the way, I, I'm, you know this, Adam. Uh, we spoke about this many times in the past. I, I really admire Shopify. I think they're an amazing company with uh, with an amazing executive team and ability to execute uh, like almost like and like no no one else. And um, and I think that uh, I'll be honored to uh, you know to uh, to compete with Shopify. And I think that would be great for both companies. The the the, the market is big enough for us to compete and and uh, and just be become better of it for, for our customers. Well, clearly, clearly the market can support uh, several vendors here. Half a million shops, that's, that's, that's impressive. And, and it looks like you guys are doing a report on that in terms of where, like what, what are the trends? You're sort of sharing some data on the e-commerce growth. Is that something uh, you're just trying to, to let people know sort of statistics on how these e-commerce platforms are growing? Yeah, I think you know we've seen um, again. I think this goes back to what happened during uh, in kind of what you can now call Corona times. Um, clearly, clearly, many people have started moving their business online. Some of which is an expansion of things that we've seen before. You know, um, you know, I don't know, uh, uh, fashion, which you know moved more online because the, you know you cannot really open the uh, the brick and mortar store anymore because. It's under lockdown, but also things that we haven't seen before. Suddenly, you see, I don't know, grocery stores trying to move online and do delivery or or, or even pickup, which they never did before. Which, you know, it's very unusual. You would I wouldn't have expected to see that coming, but obviously it's happening because necessity has, has turned it into something which is which is new, but but uh, is a must for uh, uh, for these uh, for these businesses. Um, I think you know. Probably, I would guess that grocery stores will go back to selling mostly offline because people still like to go out and, and go to the to the shop and buy. Uh, but I think that over time, all of these businesses that have found this new facet to their business, which is very effective, uh, running online, I don't think they're gonna you're gonna stop doing it. And then there's stories of you know businesses that just found just had to get creative. I think one of the most remarkable things that you we found out is how innovative small businesses business owners are and it kind of makes sense when you think about it because big 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 businesses have the ability uh to and and the, and the, the pockets 
to uh, to take their time to say, you know, I'm gonna, you know, wait a quarter and see what's going on. I'm gonna delay some uh, some 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 payments or delay some acquisitions that I meant to do just to see what's what's happening. I have enough money on my balance sheet in order to uh, to wait and assess how the world is going to behave. Small business doesn't have that luxury, so they have to innovate really quickly. So, you know, we saw, just as a funny example, we saw a pizza place that naturally could not keep on having people come in and get their pizzas. So they switched and they started baking the pizzas, freezing them, and starting and moved to become selling uh, a frozen pizzas in kind of a delivery kind of a way. Uh, and then it changed the whole business, right? Because now they can bake during the day and they freeze it and it's a whole different cadence of the business than, than it was before. Uh, I think that, by the way, they're probably even more effective now than they were before Corona started. But that's just one example. You see it all over the place in how people are starting to try to you know, evolve, change, move to online classes, move to, uh, uh, to different kind of delivery uh, functions and just re reinvent their business just in order to be able to literally put food on their table. And now, as, you, as you're the chief operating officer of the firm, just sort of how has Wix evolved with the current situation? You talked about having a New York office. Um, New York is, is you know, our firm's there. I'm still working from home. How, how much are you guys doing work from home, remote? How, how do you guys think about managing it from Israel and, and around the world? So it's very, it has been a very uh, challenge, challenging times, obviously. Um, working from home in general, uh, actually having to try to adhere to a whole bunch of different regulations in different countries. Uh, early on, we actually tried to align all of our offices with the Israeli offices of office just because the Israeli uh, restrictions were the most strict at the beginning. Uh, and we wanted to just try and keep everyone safe. Um, so, for example, we stopped, you know, we, I canceled all of the flights in the company all travel was canceled early March, um, about you know two I would say two weeks before Israel stopped travel and and four weeks before before for the United States start uh, uh, limited travel. Um, so I think you know it it was a big challenge. Uh, it still is. Um, in some offices, a hundred percent of the people of the employees are working from home. In Israel, about. It varies, but 80 to 90% of the people are working from home. I'm actually now in my office. Um, but most people are working from home, uh, and we switch to a lot of video uh, conferencing, etc. Uh, you know, it's remarkably, I would say that the effectiveness has not been harmed by much. But I think that over time, you suffer on the creative side, and that's something that we are trying to mitigate. Um, if you ask me going forward or looking into the future, I think a lot of companies have kind of fallen in love with this whole work from home idea, and I can understand why. It's cheaper for the companies. Uh, but I think that responsibly, it's not the right thing for a company to do, um, not, for, you know, not for results and execution, but also not if you, uh, you want to take the, what I deem is the right level of responsibility towards your employees. Um, I spend so much, my employees spend so much of their adult life uh, uh, working at the company in terms of the hours per day, per week. I think that my ability to know what's going on with them, to see when they are distressed, when they're unhappy, when something is, you know, 
when someone is sick, someone is, is not feeling well, uh, helping people with personal growth. It's almost impossible to, uh, to uh, help someone with some personal growth over a Zoom conversation versus being to able to do it face to face. So naturally, as long as there are health, health limitations, I wanna, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna have to uh, find ways to mitigate it. But over the long term, uh, I very much want to go back to uh, working from the office and meet, meeting people and working uh, face to face with people. How, how far do you think that is? Uh, you, you, so you guys were uh, early, if you guys were early on closing, how you're in the office, how, how do you think your New York office will open? How do you think about it? Ah, it's tough to say. I think there is going to be, um, so, so, so if you look at what happened in Israel, we handled the, we handled the, first, uh, the first wave very well. Um, and then everything really come down, almost went down to zero. And then we went, probably went out of lockdown too fast without the right uh, methodology to try to handle outbreaks on, on a local level. And now, again, it seems like there's a second wave coming, which might, you know, we might end up with another lo complete lockdown very soon. Uh, sadly, I think that by, until they find a vaccine, we're probably going to all experience some of this kind of going back and forth um, based on, you know, what's happened locally and how well is, is local authorities are handling it. And it's going to probably continue being like that until there's a vaccine. So probably next summer until we all feel completely comfortable, I would guess. Wow. I wouldn't say that you're going to work from home until next summer, but I wouldn't be surprised if you'll, you know, you'll go back to the office in New York and then have to go back to working from home for a little bit and kind of a, a little bit of back and forth again and again until it actually gets resolved. That's that's very interesting. So thanks for thanks for those insights, Adam. As as we're sort of winding down in time, uh, as you think about you know you, I, I saw in June you wrote a piece on sort of ten lessons from Wix, you know, sort of celebrating their success. Anything you'd want to highlight? Things we haven't talked about so far. Uh, things you've learned from their journey. Yeah, well, it's on the blog, but I, I think the the you know one of the key messages was the people, and that's not something that uh, public market investors always look at. And they may look at the CEO and the president in this case near, but one of the one of the secrets of Wix is that they've got such a deep bench and uh, and, a, and a team that's been together for literally a decade. Um, you know, so we talk about churn of customers, we don't talk about as much turnover on management. And Wix is just solid. The fact they can retain everybody, keep them engaged, keep them innovating—that's a powerful engine, um, and it's really um, it's underappreciated by a lot of investors, including on the venture side. And I think for that reason, it's no surprise that, you know, Wix is one of the top uh, 20 or so uh, emerging uh, cloud companies and is the second most valuable company in Israel. And I think within a month or two, will be one of the, the most valuable company in Israel. So uh, I'm just super proud to have been involved at some point. Nir, any sort of closing thoughts, things for your future that you want people to focus on and, and, and how to think about you guys? I don't know. Uh, I think, first of all, um, I want to thank Adam, who was very gracious in everything that he said on the blog and, and now on this call, uh, not to mention the fact that he was the first venture capitalist that, that put his trust in us and, 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 uh, and, and joined us as a partner back in 2007. Um, and we had this amazing run. Um, 
you know, I, I, I think that one of the key things is, is really kind of relates to what Adam just said is that, you know, building a big company, building a big business is also, you know, it's very, it's very, it's a fascinating uh, journey. Um, it can be a lot of fun. But however you're going to twist it, if you're going to grow this fast, it's also going to be super, super hard and very, very challenging. Um, and it's, you know, anytime it's something new, it's a, a problem with the business, it's a problem with the team, it's, a, it's COVID-19. It's, you never know what's going to come, what's going to come next and how to, what, what's the next thing you have to deal with. And if you manage to surround yourself with super, super smart people that you can relate to and, and they also become your partners and your friends, and, and you really treat them like partners. Um, I think that that's the, I don't know if it's a secret sauce because it's not so secret, but I, it's definitely the sauce. I think it's definitely the thing that is, is around us and help us uh, in the hard times and the fun times. Um, and we really, you know, uh, I think that's the thing that keeps me up, up and running and happy and waking up in the morning and coming happily to the, to the office the next day. And trying to move and grow the company to the next level is the knowing one that I have this great team and so many people around me that I really like and love and 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 help, you know, be, go grow and be successful together. And also having a product that really does something good for people. Um, you know, I'm not selling pushing nicotine. I'm actually helping people uh, be successful in their endeavors, in their in their in their businesses, and that's uh, that's gratifying. It's uh, humbling even. Well, thank you both. You guys are very generous with your time for us here on Behind the Market. So thank you so much for sharing these insights. Adam, Nir, it's been a great conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Behind the Markets podcast. If you want to learn more about WisdomTree, visit wisdomtree.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Jeremy D. Schwartz. I'd like to thank Patty Hall for producing our live program on Sirius XM channel 132 and our podcast producer, Daniel Bruno. Join us next week for another edition of the show. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.